This week on the Mocha Live podcast, a conversation with a seemingly simple through line, is crypto art a joke, goes a little bit off the rails. Turns out it's difficult to answer that question without stumbling into a much larger conversation about internet culture, Twitter culture, cynicism and nihilism, and whether being a joke is even a bad thing, whether it might actually be crypto art's salvation. Even if not, one thing is for certain, as long as crypto art maintains its fundamental sense of self-denigration through intentional and let's say not so intentional means will continue to be set apart from much of the art world that has come before us uh, which has for a very long time occupied a place of shall we say satisfied self-seriousness but i'll save the rest for the pod just a few quick notes um, at some point i reference an artwork by takashi murakami but don't give that artwork a name it's called the lonesome cowboy for those that want to give it a look-see I also do the same thing with the Sarah Zucker work. This one is actually four pieces, collectively titled Four Karyatids. And with that out of the way, I present the Mocha Live podcast. Good evening, everybody. It is 5.01 p.m. EST. Uh, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. My name is Max Cohen. This is the Mocha Live podcast. Joining me as he does every week, the founder of the Museum of Crypto Art, Mr. Colborn Bell. Colborn, how are we this week? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. It's been like a busy back at it week. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here with you as well. Up front, let's just talk about the Mocha fundraiser because we want to get out the word on every possible channel. Um, if you're listening to this, it's probably because you love the Museum of Crypto Art or at least care slightly about the Museum of Crypto Art. We are hosting, I don't know, hosting or generating? Coordinating. Coordinating. We're trying to put on the biggest collaboration in the history of crypto art, an unlimited amount of artists, people of all ages, sizes, colors, and interests are invited to basically send artwork uh, our way. And we're going to collage it all together into a mosaic that we hope is representative of this moment in crypto art. Colborn, anything to say about the fundraiser? Yeah, I mean, we've gotten 50 pieces on the first day. That's super cool. I want to get at least a thousand pieces. This is not exclusively for creators. I want anybody out there to kind of submit any sort of statement, whatever it is that kind of encapsulates the thing. We're going to stitch them all together into mosaic. Um, so would love if people could just check out the, the pin tweet, retweet it let people know that this is just open for everybody. And we want to capture just like you said, who is here now, what is going on right now. Uh, let's, let's put it all together and just like timestamp that, that, you know, if there was a peak, maybe this is the bottom, but we're still here and we're still doing it. Yeah. We love you all. And um, we are going to infuse this thing with as much love as possible. So we got, you know, communications on it and all these Twitter channels, everyone on the team, um, Cobra, what's the website people can go to if they want to check out more information? Fundraiser.museumofcryptoart.com. Uh, and there is, we're going to close submissions on June 30th. So there's about five weeks for everybody to kind of get behind this, get their piece in. Uh, and that'll be step one. And don't worry, we will remind you. Oh, we will remind you. We will, be. <laughs> we will remind you. <laughs> I'm going to be super, super annoying about it because, again, it, it has. To, I, I really want as many people as possible from all sorts of disciplines, all sorts of places, projects. Um, if you've touched NFTs, we want you in this. And if NFTs have touched you. Hey. With that out of the way, let's get to today's topic, um, which can be encapsulated in the title we've been working with. Is crypto art a big fucking joke? Uh, Colborn, this was your... Uh, maybe brainchild is too strong a word, but when we were coming up with topics, this is the one you kind of put forth. So I was hoping you could talk a bit about why you feel this way. Yeah, you know, this is just a, this is just a feeling I had and wanted to express, and I don't really uh, know what to say about it, other than it feels like always that there are two sides, two extremes to this equation. There are just like Again, the, the most incredibly brilliant uh, people creating in-depth, like powerful, moving art. Um, and then there's this other side to it where people just want to have fun. And I think that's it. So, 
you know, maybe this touches on kind of like the nature of reality, the current situations that we're in, um, like the, the, the doldrums of physical being, you know, some of this like escape into the metaverse mentality, uh, es escape online, you know, what, what does it all mean? Um, and how can these like two incredibly different and disparate concepts like come together into this great, big and vibrant thing? Yeah, I mean, but that's like the two sides of the coin, right? Or at least the two sides of the coin, at least as far as I've always seen it, right? You have this mass of, like you said, brilliant artistry across every spectrum of aesthetics. Um, and that is kind of like abutting right up against art that is purposefully provocative and purposefully like low effort and purposefully ridiculous, like the trash art movement, the spam art movements, the rare Pepe movements, all of which are kind of based in like being stupid or being like coy and fun and childish and with that as like the centerpiece and as far as i know now i'm sure that we can make out like a pop art argument but i think pop art also took itself somewhat seriously maybe we have done that to pop art in the past um maybe we did the same thing to things like street art i know if you think about like street artists like space invader who would put the uh, mosaics of like actual like eight-bit space invaders all throughout cities like of course that's childish but it's also I don't know. It doesn't seem to have the inherent don't take me seriously quality that a lot of crypto art has, which is very, I think like, and it reminds me of like teenagers in a lot of sense, it being so uncomfortable with being serious, like raging one's own, mm. like burgeoning adulthood. Mm. I think, I think that's a large part of it. Right. And it's what excited me about crypto art in the beginning is that it was, you know, anti-authoritarian. Uh, it was very much like, butting up against these 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 like powerful constructs and, and concepts and the way that things could be and then just like a reimagination of, of what could be uh, in almost like a, a childlike wonder, a reintroduction. Um, you know, there is an element of kind of like trolling in it as well uh, that I think is is powerful and perhaps it is like a mechanism related to coping with reality mm. that you know there's there's something like inherently challenging about it that i don't really understand but i relate to it right and it's an identity that you know a lot of people like assume and play with um and it, it drives it drives culture it's there is like there is so much mimetic potential in these things and i think that is reflective of of something deeper and i really want to interrogate it with you. yeah i mean it's indicative of culture in general right i don't think it's just a crypto art product just the very basis of memes in general as they appear on social media and especially as you get kind of younger and younger like gen z creates like dark sick humor in their memes right their way of understanding an oftentimes like grotesque and serious world is through art that is I don't know, very nihilistic, very funny, deeply funny, but very nihilistic, um, which I don't always feel like is the case here. I don't feel like when crypto art is funny, it's nihilistic on purpose. I feel like, what, like it's almost nihilistic by default, like the whole meme coin thing, um, like these things that, again, are not in crypto art, but are touching crypto art that are not necessarily designed as a joke, but which are designed to be kind of like they have these qualities that are inherently meaningless and artificial right the it's almost like there's a sign like abandon all hope ye who enter here except it's like mm. don't take this seriously ye who enter here it, it it's for a sole purpose it's for investing it, i mean what was there was that stupid one with the name it was like star wars lego batman nintendo <laughs> yeah yeah the one the, the one wasn't that the one that ben dot east washed a couple million bucks through Sonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I had yeah, Sonic yeah, in the yeah, name. You know, just the most. But yeah, like right. you look at something like that, and the goal of the thing is to be ridiculous and stupid, even though the outcome is the generation of capital, which means that in terms of its pure, like solid principles, it's no different than any other like business, right? It is not based on like the arbitrary matrix of what makes up the universe. It is not any more or less legitimate than, say, like Coca Cola bottling both have some kind of input, both have some kind of investment, and then a profit comes out of that. Except, of course, the thing itself has been so degraded by the circumstances of its birth 
and by the opinions mm-hmm. of its creators and the context of its creation that like it itself is aware that it's a joke. It doesn't want to be taken any more seriously. Crypto art, I think, aspires to more than that. But it's almost like you have one side that's pulling crypto art up towards this like heavenly ideal, this sublime artistry. And this other side that's like like a concrete block attached to its leg. It's saying like, whoa, slow down here. Like this ain't the Renaissance. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you go back to like some of the greatest. This is it's been in crypto mm. forever. Right. You go back to Dogecoin. Dogecoin was just like a drunken fork, I think, of of Bitcoin. And you go back to like the HODL meme. That was somebody writing a drunken rant. Uh, there is a sense of like exasperation mm-hmm. and like these these passionate feelings that need to escape, but they can only escape when we're in like inebriated states or, uh, you know, like like it's like a dissociation from yourself as the the like capitalist yeah. object, the producer, the the person that is supposed to like generate value uh, and a return to you know, some of this just like ultimately playful nature of what allows us to connect and and be human to Mm -hmm. begin with. I feel like AI to an extent is allowing more people to be playful. And I think there's a interesting dichotomy between the kinds of playfulness and I don't know, unseriousness that people display when they're minting versus when they're not minting. I feel like the tendency on all of our parts is to mint the art that we think is serious, right? Or is you know, deserving of being placed in some kind of a canon and the stuff that's fun, which may or may not be the stuff that's better. I know when I have, when I'm writing and it's stuff that's not serious and it's stuff that I don't have, you know, aspirations of winning a Nobel prize upon. That's when I do my best work when, you know, the shackles of mm. potential publication are off. I, um, I, I think this mm. question is better served with a certain lens, right? Because, right. Is crypto art a joke from the outside? I think the answer to most of the populace is yes, right? These are all contradictions, right? But it's a joke because crypto art is no different than NFTs. And I know when I talk to people outside of the space, just in the world, and I say, oh yeah, I work, you know, I work with you know this digital art, but it's all made on NFTs. As you know, as everyone here listening, I'm sure knows, people's ears turn off, they hear NFTs and they have all these associations with PFPs and such. I don't think we're powerful enough on our own as a movement to... Uh, rebuke those views. But at the same time, places like Sotheby's and places like Christie's and places like LACMA, places like MoMA are at least recognizing that there is something here worthy of induction into a theoretical canon. So there is a seriousness from one side, which I think is very uh, interesting when considering that the majority of people are still anti all of this. Yeah, right. And maybe that's like the that's the intake funnel. You know, people aren't ready for more seriousness. They don't want the complexity. They don't particularly want to understand. They want like that quick hit dopamine Mm -hmm. thing that makes them feel connected in a part of uh, something like whatever it is. There's certainly a, a there is a latent yearning in this space for like a return you know, and I can't put my finger on like the pulse of that, but some of my favorite projects, you know, I, I, gosh, I don't remember the artist's name. He put together like 150 tweets of uh, people saying like, this piece is epic and this piece is legendary. Right. And it's just like GIF fast scrolling, you know, with that in the middle. Um, And, you know, there's so many I don't know if it's satire. I don't know what the right word is, but it's very introspective, reflective. It's happening very quickly. It can be done in funny ways. The digital medium like allows for that. And, you know, I, you see artists on, on both sides, like em, embracing the duality of it. There was a, a robot chicken sketch from ages ago. Remember robot chicken? Of course. It was uh, the five stages of grief as displayed by a giraffe that was sinking into quicksand. <laughs> and, and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's you know, pretty widely seen, but I think that's the general attitude, uh, not just crypto art. I mean, everything's internet inflected, right? The fact that like from presidential candidates to owners of social media networks, there's this general sense of like things are, mo- everything's degrading, but it's also kind of, 
not that serious or things are degrading, but it's also like we're laughing at it and like laughing at the funeral of all. I feel like crypto art is situated right in the middle of that. Perhaps that's because it's Twitter focused and Twitter generated, right? And it's impossible not to adopt the internal circumstances of the place where this thing exists, right? When we're basically mm-hmm. just being cultured by Twitter, which is where we spend all our time, right? If crypto art was hanging out behind the regal cinemas, smoking cigarettes and doing skateboard tricks, we would be cultured by that. But we're not, we're on Twitter all the time. And so I think we have, like, if we, that is to say, I think we all have a very good idea, if one that's difficult to actually verbalize about what, like, the culture of Twitter is, um, because Twitter is like the anus of the internet. It's where everything ends up eventually. You didn't smile at all for that joke. <laughs> I was, there was nothing. I, was, I thought that no, was that so one, clever. One, you were like, one, yeah. That one hit really hard. I was, I was thinking about that one. Put that on I, my uh, fucking tombstone. Right. right. <laughs> Twitter is Famous the anus ones. of the internet. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm just like thinking back to like trying to trying to trace these feelings you know i'm sitting here i bought uh you know from myself and i used to get one as a child every christmas like a gary mm-hmm. larson everyday calendar uh who did the far side and i think back to like george carlin bits and i think back to uh like south park and the simpsons and family guy and probably like more recently like rick and morty of the way that like comedy was able to kind of tackle larger issues and it does also provide like a similar shield in the way that art does and you know that is that is powerful and I think people are looking for like these veils these cloaks uh to be able to like say and express the things that they might be feeling but in a way that is kind of like maybe more detached from from their identity well I think that if we're talking about like television, which I think is a really good avenue into understanding this, something we don't see very much of in, I think more like proper or critical spheres is like sentimental television, right? Where there's this lack of like sincerity, um, I think in general in movies and television. And I think that's emblemized by like what the most famous and, and most beloved, let's say like comedy shows are, right? Family Guy, The Simpsons, South Park, Rick and Morty, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Office, mm. they're all like looking at the audience and it's like, like, you know, this is fucked up. We know it's fucked up. Like, it's not sincerely telling a story, right? You go back to the 80s or, or before, right? With MASH and All in the Family and Cheers and mm. Frasier, right? Like, these are shows that are not winking at the audience at all. They are entirely existing by the logic of their own world. But that doesn't work a lot anymore. I think we see the same thing in dramas, right? There are no heroes. There's just anti-heroes everywhere, right? Mm. There's like, it's all raw, gritty, real, right? Like the DC universe, when they were trying to get themselves off the ground and compete with Marvel, seemed to keep making this mistake that people want dark and gritty and, you know, realistic, like uh, the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman movies, which is, I think, a urge we all have, but it's also itself kind of degrading because we can't just escape into something that takes itself seriously. Uh, I've been spending way too much time playing the new Legend of Zelda game. Um, and it's... That, pat- that makes two of us. Yeah, like it's it's awesome, but it's also like really enriching because it's deeply self-serious, right? It's ridiculous, yeah. right? It's a, For those of you that are unfamiliar with the Legend of Zelda, somehow it's like monsters, it's good versus evil. It is... This one has like time travel and there are like fox creatures that talk and just also they're all like ridiculous and fantastical in this like anime derived way but there's no joke right it's serious and it's looking at the audience and it's saying we're taking ourselves seriously are you going to take us seriously and i'm not sure that crypto art is ever able to do that because the internet isn't able to do that we like have to launch ourselves away from the internet in order to find that sincerity do you know what i mean Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I, I don't know if since is sincerity, the right word, like, well, I think like art is art is always going to reflect its context. Right. And the context that we all exist in socially is one where maybe because we are internally, we know too much. We've seen too much. We read too much. We're exposed to too much, but like everything is so serious that we must temper everything with this dark comedy right or this mm-hmm. lack of seriousness because otherwise i think a lot of i think there's a tendency to fall into like 
these real depressive pits. Um, mm. When you're looking at suffering across the world that's being fetishized by social media and by you know media in general, you start to feel that, right? And you start to turn away from the fact that it's really sunny outside and the fact that there's like kids playing basketball in the park across the street and like they scream really loud but in like a cute way. You know, it's it's super interesting because I think I think the contemporary art world takes itself incredibly seriously, right? Like there are rules, procedures, there's longstanding power and tradition and like there's norms around like money and expression and ways to like be and dress. And, you know, if, if we think that this is a mirror being held up to that, and I generally think all of these things are like mirrors reflecting the, the other sides, you know, then, you know, it, it brings me back to, I think it was maybe the sixth solo show that we did with uh, a, a rather known a uh, contemporary artist called Mark Flood, right? And he created these, uh, you know, visually simplistic, you know, he did paintings as well as digital renderings of, it was like large, it's hard to describe, but like blocks of pixels, like large pixels. Mm-hmm. And it was very simplistic. And, and you look at his super rare profile and, you know, he did that. And then it was just like the most mashed, fried, like mimetic like people having like orgies like just like incredible departure from that and to me that was so interesting because that was somebody who came from that tradition like had you know this like refined idea and then was kind of like fuck it i'm dumping like this here because i think it's more of like the culture and the ethos Mm-hmm. it's interesting it's interesting to have that like dichotomy not within the same piece but within like different pieces right there's the serious era there's the not serious era i don't know too much about the traditional art world admittedly but i know that there are certain names that have transcended being within the traditional art world like the art world doesn't really make superstars anymore but they do have people like takashi murakami whose work is intentionally not serious, right? It's very anime inspired. It's colorful, right? It's poppy. Uh, but before that, right, in the 90s... But I think he would say his work is serious. But it doesn't matter what the artist says to an extent. I mean, like, they could claim it's serious, but I... Because I, I want to respond to that with yeah. uh, my other example, right, of, of Jeff Koons, um, who I don't really care for his work at all. The grand, you know, um, balloon animals the metal balloon animals that sell for tens of million dollars. But that work is not serious by the pure aesthetics of its design, right? It is inherently ridiculous, but, and whether he says it's serious or not, the art world is going to put a a framework around it. That's going to force it to be serious. Both of them are interesting because before they did, I think their famous qualities of their famous, like kinds of work, they had work that was like really ridiculous and erotic um Mm. takashi murakami has a statue and i can't remember the name um but it's like a naked anime girl and she's like she's a whip made of semen that she's like putting around her head and jeff coons had these pictures that he would take with his porn star wife in the 80s and it was like this it was just porn it was just like hardcore sex sculptures of it too i believe you and (laughs) people fetishize both of these guys but those artworks are just that's fucking ridiculous like and it's inherently ridiculous and you look at it and if you didn't have any of the context around it you'd say that's ridiculous but either somewhere along the lines whether it's based on the price that it was eventually sold for or the mythos of the artists that or the mythos of the artist that would eventually become canon like this framework of self-seriousness is put on the thing crypto art is a little bit different because i think that there's i don't know there's so few artists that are fundamentally demanding to be taken quote unquote seriously and whose works display only serious things. I remember we were on a call ages ago and uh, Sarah Zucker was talking about the need for more like serious criticism in crypto art. And like her work is deeply serious. It's deeply meaningful, but it's also like inherently ridiculous the way she has these cartoonish drawings and the way uh, there's one piece and I always forget the names of pieces, but she's like in a bodysuit and she's like doing all these wacky things with her arms yeah. in front of a, uh, you know, like a tie dye psychedelic background. And I think that was the one that went to Buffalo AKG. That's the one in the museum. It's wonderful. It's like a wonderful yeah. piece and it exists. They're both high and low at the same time. So 
I mean, I always hate to end with a contradiction, but is it possible that crypto art, by the nature of its being, by the nature of who creates in it, by the nature of like the context in which we all came from, does it have to be serious and have to be a joke at the same time, I guess, depending on who's looking at it at what moment? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it gets me thinking to just uh, die with the most likes. Mark mm. Wilson, yeah. right? Who, who, you know, I'm a big... <laughs> I'm a big fan of because it is it's absurd to spend all day like on Twitter in like this this vacuum in like like post America exceptionalism when everything feels flat and dying and you know the debt is out of control and maybe people are just fed doom and gloom on the news constantly uh or online is all clickbait it reminds me of that like Art Gnome had a great tweet lately where it's like 90% of my physical mail is junk. 99% of my emails is spam, right? Like, <laughs> like we just live in garbage. We just <laughs> live in like, and it's, you know, there is like phone addictions breaking people's brains. There's TikTok algorithms that are driving people to do like wild things. The only things that are like clickbaity are the ones that everybody wants to see because they're so absurd. You know, I feel like Twitter has recently like reprioritized its algorithm to to feed this type of video content. It's it's like max escapism. Um and you know I think escapism without reflection is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I feel like being able to sit with the art pieces it, it at least allows you to have that internal monologue about like, what is this? Oh, I see it. You know, I think Mahara does that very well. Yeah. You know, and of course, like we would, you know, we should mention a lot of money as kind of like the, the originator of, well, I don't want to say originator, but whatever, just being so playful and powerful in, in these things. And it, it gets you thinking, it pulls you deeper into like this crypto rabbit hole in these mentalities and and perhaps like beginning to address the inherent contradictions that exist across like all levels of government all levels of capitalism right uh and you know, you know i is no finish i'm sorry no no i i just think it it makes you conscious of your own sovereignty and like ability to choose the thing the types of things that you are exposed to and the types of spheres that you want to exist in so when we were talking about this topic, I became really excited to incorporate uh, Susan Sontag and specifically her notes on camp, because I think it is as a way to understand this moment in artistry and kind of this moment in everything. I think it's like a, a, a serious codex. I think it was 1964 that she wrote this, but the quote, and I'm only going to quote it once, is that is so powerful is camp sees everything in quotation marks. It's not a lamp, but a lamp, not a woman, but a woman. And when you were talking just before about like a lot of money and the self-seriousness or lack thereof, I was thinking about um, Xcopy and naming the open edition Max Payne, yeah. aware <laughs> of the fact that people were going to buy and sell it like degenerates, right? Yeah, yeah. Xcopy seeing themselves not as an artist, but as an artist, right? And seeing this artwork, not as an artwork, but as an artwork, right? And yeah. you know, we see crypto art, not as an art movement, but as an art movement, right? And so all of everything we claim the space to be or want the space to be is passed through the lens of like, well, is this bullshit? <laughs> yeah. And like, am I turning it into bullshit? Because we're so, you know, we're stupid, but we're overeducated uh, at the same time. Right. And so we like have, again, everything passes through this, this I don't know, this input output machine, wherein like, serious things are unraveled or we question why they're serious or if they're serious or if they should be serious. And if they want to be serious, why do they want to be serious? And can they be serious? And like all of these secondary things, I'm curious. I always like to get your opinion on how things have changed in crypto art. There's the cat. Yeah. There's your cat. <laughs> He's been screaming. So he needs a little attention, but like shout out for sure. Shout out X copy on, on Max Payne. That was just like an incredible conceptual performance I, I hope I believe it was intended to be that like, of course, everybody was going to get wrecked on that. And, and it's, it's, it's great because it's, it's just like in the concept. Have have you seen this change in the last like three years, four years or so? Have you seen like crypto its attitude towards itself change? And if so, like, 
has it become more serious, less self-serious? Well, the, the stakes, the stakes got higher, right? Like Truly. the money, the money, one hundred x, and everything became more expensive, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I think I retweeted, you know, I retweeted that whatever guy yesterday, like detailing the four most like blatant rugs, and you look at these things and you wonder, you wonder like. What are what are we doing wrong that we can't generate like the hype of Pixelmon only for it to like be released and it's just like or like Logan Paul with a zoo in a game and you know all of these like it's so absurd it's just so absurd but also there's like people out there that that somehow continue again and again to fall for it and it just doesn't make any sense to me uh, in a world that is like more marketing than substance it feels so little like substance actually can like grip and hold people and like carry them through because there's just so many things fighting for people's attention all the time that's true the pixelmon thing always upset me because they made 70 million dollars and i believe to this day that they could have made a wonderful game for 70 million dollars the guy who organized whatever that rug was could have gotten wicked rich still could have taken the other $65 million and hired a crack dev team and put out a game and probably ended up making a lot more money down the road um, or at least a lot more legitimate money. And it's like, it's like, but building is hard. Building is hard. Like making art, I believe is hard. Mm -hmm. Collecting, I believe is pretty easy, but like going out every day and spending years building something because you believe in it and you want to see it in the future like that's it's really difficult what else is there to do like you know at some point like you build we all build something right like every day we get up and we do something right like even if you lay on the couch and just watch reality shows you're building a library of reality shows you're building a cultural view of the world and maybe that's like a stretch but like we're all engaged in some actions that are expanding themselves right and building on top of each other right now yes it is it is harder to build a functioning and develop a functioning video game than it is to i don't know build an internal compendium of like reality television but you have to spend your time doing something and if you are have spent all this time to generate i don't know fake videos fake marketing all this coordination to like rug people out of 70 million dollars you probably could like project manage a video game <laughs> it's like yeah, or at least yeah. hire somebody who knows how to uh totally just ceo it yeah you know what i mean yeah i i i i guess i do man i guess i do you could right i there is just there's there's some something so absurd there's something oh absurd like because people would rather be like influencers and we, how many times did we see it like blue kirby and beanie and i don't know there's others who are still around with like like maybe just like different or more questionable morals or attitudes or ethics or reasons to like be here and participate in in this but but, uh, but extra- extrapolated outwards right like everything we do is ridiculous in crypto art right it is all it is a fundamentally ridiculous if you are don't look at it as special right like the idea of making all this art is somewhat ridiculous right like why do that right like if you're not starting at a specific logical jumping off point it's ridiculous to make art it's ridiculous to collect art it's ridiculous to talk about art all the time it's ridiculous to host this podcast where we talk about all this ridiculous art that we're ridiculously collecting. And like, it's all just built on some kind of fundamental conviction, right? It's also ridiculous to, I don't know, go to work in a law firm and look up legal statutes so that your partner will notice you so that you can maybe make 5% more in three years and get a good bonus. Like all of it's ridiculous, right? Rather it's all arbitrary. That's the better word. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you give it meaning you, by having some fundamental logos that you like underlie everything with. And then with conviction in that logos, you can like build outwards from it. Yeah. I mean, Ed, 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 Ed super chief hit me with a line last night that really resonated. It was people are great. Community is everything. And the public is simply a fucking nightmare. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh my God, right? Because like, I can relate to people, right? Like I can get into the idea of community. But when I take a step back and, and take a big look at this, I am like, oh my God, like, I, don't, I don't know anybody or anything or I've lost touch with like the zeitgeist of what is happening in like those micro moments. And I don't know how that happens, right? Maybe I'm not like grinding in discord or in like the right groups where these things are being moved and talked about and like pumped, but I don't want to live that way. Right. Like that, that to me feels like a hamster in a wheel or like a rat in a maze, man. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like trying to like return to meaning as an individual and being intentional about the direction you take. Right. Because it was like a conscious decision to be here and it was a conscious decision to be challenged by all of like this great art and what is happening and being in something that has like pretty noble and idealistic pursuit or, or ideas of, of what it can become. And then watching like this whole other thing going on down here of, of like an endless human drama or a soap opera and I don't know. People are like literally choosing to operate this way. That's true. But I think perhaps we've, we're in a good place. I feel like this is never really spoken about with crypto art that maybe we're right where we need to be. But as you said before, right? Like the traditional art world works on a basis of being incredibly serious, right? It takes things that aren't serious, aren't serious and makes them serious with some kind of framework or context pulls things upwards. Right. And you have, I don't know, the discord grinder zombies and their artistic emissaries, these like, I don't know, more like nihilistic figures um, who are pulling crypto art down towards something that's also like nihilistic and in quotations all the time and ironic um, and angsty, all of which are like, neither of which is overly good, but you need artists who are who have deep conviction in what they're doing, deep conviction that it's important, that not only is it important that they make art, but that they share that art, mm. right? But you need other artists or other voices who are pulling those people down from their worst impulses, pulling them away from the sublime they could never reach anyway, making sure they don't get too blinded by it. I do feel like that's where crypto art is. The fact that we're having this conversation is indicative that that might be where it is. It is kind of like a, a coming of age moment in which like, Maybe, you know, we have, we've, we've grown beyond our adolescence and kind of have an idea of who we are and ourself. But I can think back to like that time 10, 15 years ago, probably when I would have been in like this faceless degenerate mass that exists here, being like angsty and trying to like figure out and communicate and express all of these like hard feelings of what it means to grow up and come into this world. And I think mm -hmm. humor is kind of like the edge of that. And there is an aesthetic communication that can begin to like translate these ideals. And, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time lately, like talking and trying to understand like what is going on with miladies and mm -hmm. like, how it is like a social tool but here is like this figure of like kind of like this cute innocent anime figure like trying to become in such a digital crazy world where you're exposed to like equally the best and worst of humanity all the time and probably <laughs> feeling like you can't get the attention and being driven to like be you know just more extreme on either direction it's very hormonal to continue with the adolescent analogy like the space is so hormonal and it's so extreme we're so extreme if we get on here and we're like crypto art is the greatest innovation <laughs> in artistry in a hundred years and we're serious yeah, in, in and since the renaissance I've made that argument. Right, right. I'm sure I mean, like, I'm telling you, like, it, the, it, it just, we everything is so polarized. And that's the only way to, like, drive people and move people. But, like, the, the further extreme it gets, like, the less power ultimately it has to but have. But even beyond that, though, it's the only way we ourselves can be moved. I think with enough exposure elsewhere to extremes, 
you stop noticing the movement on the fringes, right? A little bit extreme no longer feels like you're moving at all, yeah. right? It's like when you're going 100, maybe not 120, 85 on the highway, and there's a car going 65 um, in the left lane. I am an aggressive driver. I veer out, I'm honking, I'm, you know, mouthing curse words and looking at the driver to see if we can make some like angsty eye contact, but they're going really fast. They're just not going nearly as fast as I am. And so we have no choice because we're continuously conditioned towards extremes to engage in the same battle, right? You can't just argue that crypto art is good. It's not enough. You have to argue that it's the greatest innovation since the Renaissance. You can't just say this is you know, a difficult time for crypto art. You have to say it's dying <laughs> and I'm dying, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we, ha- we are being pushed back and forth, these extremes. Yeah, it doesn't feel healthy, does it? Well, I mean, it just is what it is. <laughs> you know, I it's... Guess. Yeah, you know, I... You know, the, it's the, not the, boring. It's certainly not boring, right? Like, the... I always kind of look to, like, zeitgeist and end goals. And who I was talking today somebody with somebody about, like, the... Uh, like the tokenization of everything, right? Like when, mm. when people are tokenized and you can invest in every single little minutia of everything, there's value flying all around and it's frictionless. And like, if that is not like the end stage, of course, of like what capitalism is driving and like for, like capitalism one, you know, there were like attempts to, even in this to like reorganize and restructure, but like, what wins at the end of the day it's like human greed and it's hype and fervor and these like vicious up and down cycles um Mm -hmm. so like what is valuable where is like time well spent like you know could should we be in like a law office researching legal briefs or you know where is like i don't know should we be at a textile factory making briefs yeah is there just so much like existential dread that exists and is that being like passed down and communicated to younger generations so where they feel that more intensely, right? Have they heard that like climate change is going to wreck the planet and unless people do anything, have they heard that their whole lives? Have they like seen so many things on the internet that I, I just wonder? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, that happened to me. I don't know if it happened to you, but uh, I don't know. I, I think about... My great-grandfather, Sam Kravitz, who came over from, I believe, Russia in 1906, I simply can't imagine that he felt the kind of daily existential angst that I do. <laughs> I just won't believe it. I won't believe that landing in New York and looking for a job and living in some boarding house and you know, marrying a first wife and then a second wife, I can't imagine that he would have felt the daily dread of, oh my God, that is just like, I wake up with, I go to bed with it. It's here with me now. You know, I, I, maybe that's because they were busy. Maybe that's because it's, they were not uh, as yeah, I mean, They were busy and there wasn't so much, I think, like optionality or choice or like abundance that were just kind of like the way things were. And that was what you did. So there wasn't even the question that you could get out or escape. But it's like optionality and like overabundance of opinions on what this what any given thing is, right? Like just having the opinion, the ability to make the concerted argument that what we do is a joke or that what we do is deeply serious. Just being able to have an opinion that spans the entire array of legitimately, this is the greatest art movement in you know 500 years to this is just a investor blip that's going to like die out, right? This is a totally unserious, right? We, being that we can have every perspective within that range and make that argument fluidly. Well, like that's a lot of power. <laughs> that's, that's it's a lot of power. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of just grinding of the old, uh, gears up there. Let me, um, let me ask you one more question. Um, and this is a topic that I think we're going to touch on next week or potentially further down the line about generative art and kind of how generative art is, intentionally or unintentionally becoming kind of synonymous with crypto art, or it seems to be like titular within crypto art. There's a pushback naturally on generative art being seen as like the kind of it art style in crypto art. But what I think may be driving that is that generative art 
is super sincere, right? It is legitimately and universally impressive in a way that I think everyone can kind of appreciate regardless of your feelings about digital art, whether that's because we don't appreciate code or maybe it's because we do appreciate the complexity of code. We all look at generative art and we say, okay, that's, that's fucking serious. That's like, that's a real accomplishment just because it, I don't know. I think that the things that are there with digital art where people can diminish it don't seem to be there in terms of the code, right? The thing you always hear digital art is I, I could do that. You look at generative art and I'm like, there's no way in any world that I could do that. Oh, I'm going to challenge that a bit. Please. And, and I was it, at NFT Paris. I was on a panel with Snowfro and we were talking about this, right? Like you can go and like copy somebody's model and just change the parameters and make beautiful generative art, right? I think there's two reasons why generative art wins. And one, it's, it's by and large, it's abstract, mm -hmm. right? So there is a like abstract painting, hundreds of millions of dollars. Like the, the best selling stuff is abstract. So yeah. there is just kind of like a general likability to something that is abstract. Mm -hmm. And two, there is a bit of like code wizardry still, you know, I don't know how to program. You don't know how to program. Like it is kind of held for the few. So it seems like exclusive and difficult to do. And because you don't understand it and somebody tells you it's good, then like it's very easy to just respect by, by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that like begins to, to, to touch on it, but there is uh well, maybe I came at this wrong. Maybe the, the answer is more lying in that, like, because it's abstract, it doesn't display any specific emotion. So thus it's serious, right? It's certainly not funny. Abstract art certainly isn't like silly. Um, it doesn't matter how many colors, like you look at Kandinsky, right? Kandinsky uses all sorts of colors and shapes and things, but it's not silly. It's not posited to be um, like ridiculous. It's within its own context, perfectly serious. And I think there is something about abstract that allows the imprinting of whatever you want to see, right? It's kind of like a, a Rorschach inkblot test, right? It allows you to become more involved and connected to something that has no definition and shape and like easier to just get into your subconscious about it. Definitely. There's a, a lot more to talk about in the generative art sphere, but we should save it for another podcast. Um, I can't wait to have this conversation about crypto art again when uh, the bull market's back and you and I are just sitting on <laughs> piles of gold doubloons, um, sw yes. swimming in a bathtub of gold coins like Scrooge McDuck. Once, I, once my larva chads moon. Oh, yeah. And, and you want me to do the big reveal? <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> uh, it's so deeply disturbing. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in on the uh, podcast. Just have yeah, people's please. imaginations go wild. Um, <laughs> well, it's uh, towards the end of this podcast, which is when we generally talk about basketball. Colborn, your Lakers are out. They were swept. LeBron James is talking about retiring. Are you, uh, as a basketball fan, in complete disarray? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm first and foremost a baseball fan, so I am ready for summer to be here. I'm back on watching the Dodgers, you know, when I need to relax. Uh, I'm in a wonderful blissed out space, although I did enjoy the run and for brief, maybe 10 games or so, I was brought back into this little basketball nexus that I had almost long forgotten. Mm. Well, I never forget it. It sits with me all the time, <laughs> year round, on season, off season. I am absolutely obsessed yeah. in this nightmare that is the Boston Celtics. I will say it is cool to watch people actually care and compete hard for something doesn't happen so much in like the NBA regular season, but like, you know, if it's March madness or if it's playoff basketball, the intensity and like ferocity that they bring to it is incredible. I love that. God, I hate that this is so on topic, <laughs> but you're totally right. Right. Like for those of you that don't watch basketball, the regular season is 82 games. It's like people make a, not a mockery of the sport, but it's just not very serious, right? Like people don't play super serious. People take games off, but come playoff time, it's like the essence of the thing, right? It's sincere in its seriousness. It's, it's demanding to be taken seriously because all of its principles and the context around it all demand that it be taken seriously. And so the pain that I feel when the Boston Celtics drop three games in a row to the heat is also real. And nobody 
should make fun of me for it. <laughs> I just wish the officiating wasn't so bad and was like consistent and there was actually a way to kind of trust it because it is it's just like so sloppy and it feels so like catered to Vegas odds and then it's just like whoever in the last two minutes like makes their shots as the winner. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a problem we can solve. Um, I think like, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong because tennis figured out a way to know when a ball is out of bounds with like the greatest single camera angle of all time. The shot happens, a ball hits near the out of bounds line and there's this camera that knows exactly where it hit immediately. I'm always thinking like, why don't we have that for every sport and every circumstance? Where's the equivalent of that camera? But I don't disagree with you. Um, I think, fortunately or unfortunately, my beloved Celtics would have lost three games, regardless of how much officiating they helped they got. Um, but game five's tomorrow. Jalen Brown said, don't let us win one. And guess what? They won one. So we'll see what happens. I wish you luck. I will, I will, never, I will, never, root, I will never root for the Boston Celtics, but I hope, Nor I hope they lose, in, I hope don't they want lose you. in game seven of the finals. I hope so too. If, if, if it's that or me have one basketball game left, I hope that yeah. too. Uh, Coborn, this week has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this one flew. Certainly more fun than it's been for the Los Angeles Lakers. Amen. And, and LeBron will just retire. LeBron will just retire and leave you in complete disarray. Um, yeah. Something worse will even happen to the Celtics, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> that's it for basketball, and that's it for the Mocha Live podcast. We will be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Coborn, any last words for the people? Nah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> bye, you everyone. You all are great. Yeah, you all did great. Thank <laughs> I, you so much. You, you all are super. If you've made it this far, we have a lot of love for you. That's yeah. for sure. And remember, fundraiser.museumofcryptoart.com. We are waiting for you. Submit an artwork. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be an artwork. You could write a note. You could draw a sketch. You could do something gross. You could do something funny. We don't care. It's all going in the final piece. Uh, so let's make it as crazy, wild, diverse, and inclusive as the space is. Amen to that. Thanks everyone for being here. We'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. See ya.